Hey, welcome back. We have episode three of the Diabetes Show. I have another guest on the podcast. My old friend, someone I've known for four years, Ardell, Ardell Spinder. Ardell, Thank you for having people. me. Absolutely, my friend. How are you? Doing good. This is my first time being a guest on a podcast, so I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Dude, you got, of everyone that I know, you have quite the following on social media, and you've been at, you've been at this for, a, what, how many years have you been powerlifting? Powerlifting, it's been pretty new. Like, I would say let's give it two, two full years worth. Mm-hmm. Before that, really just trying to look big, and then it was like, I swear, TikTok is what got me into powerlifting, really, mm-hmm. because... I was scrolling on there and I'm seeing these dudes that are really skinny and they're lifting massive weights. And I'm like, why am I like, for me, at least I was like, why am I trying to get so big? I want to be the guy that looks not huge. But then when I lift the weight, people are like, what, what is this guy up to? Like, that's mm-hmm. always been my goal. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, looking that's how not as big, but being really strong. That's how, that's how I was. Even when I first met you, cause that's when I did my first powerlifting show. It was like, I was still, I'm still long and lanky, just filled out a little bit more, but my frame was even less filled out. And I just remember like, I'd show up and like, I remember like, what, this is four, four, five, no, four years ago when I first hit like a 500 pound deadlift. And like, I was still, it's like long skinny kid. And everyone's like, how did he do that? And it's just like, it, it blew people's minds. So that, that was like, kind of what I fell in love with powerlifting at first. Then I, then I got told by a couple actual people who were bodybuilders. They were like, oh, you should go do men's physique. And now they, they were like, you could be really good at it. And I remember when I was first getting into that, like switched over to more of the bodybuilding scene. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, this this is something I could like excel in. I was like, oh, I'll be a pro in a couple of years. And then no, not not how that works. It's a, it's a grind. You were actually one of my motivations. I remember when I was going to say that app before you, that 500, I don't know how much it was, but I was like, this dude's out here pulling 500. I don't even know if you're using straps, maybe his hook grip or whatever. It was, I was a sumo. I pulled the sumo over under 535. Yeah. You know? That's what I thought. Like 530 something. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, dang, dudes can get really strong. And at that time, <laughs> You weren't as big as you are now. Like you were just no. starting to get big, but you were so strong in Luca as well. I'm like, okay, yeah. Like it's normal for men to be able to lift 500. But before that, I'm like, nah, everyone around, they're doing 405 at the max. Like that was yeah. not very much weight. I remember, let's see, because that was, I still was playing baseball like six months before I did that. And I remember my baseball like training is really what got me into like loving deadlifts. And like, I remember I pulled 500 on like a trap bar and I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's a lot of weight. And then like, when I did it on, on a normal uh, barbell, I was like, what the hell? Like, I remember just like, it was a random day and I was just like repping 405. And then like, I was with Luca and he was like, add on a 25, did it, did one pull. And I was like, that's really, really easy. And I was like, I was like, he's like, jump to, I think I did 475. And then he was like, you got that way too easy. And then he was like, go do 500. And then I got, and I was like, holy, I remember my back hurt like a bitch, but like, it was so, it was like the first moment in lifting. I remember like how satisfying it was for me was pulling that 500. You were always a really good deadlifter. Like at 24 hour fitness, there were only a few guys can, who can do 500 or so. And you were just scratching the surface of getting strong. Like you could do 600. Like I had no doubt in my mind, you could go up to 600. 
I think if I actually trained as a power lifter, I could, I could be a 600 pound deadlifter. Ah, let's see what, when I hit that 535, that's when like, I then fully switched into bodybuilding though, because like, it was just so taxing on like my, my, my hips were destroyed. Like, yes, it started affecting every other, like, like legs were non-existent at that point. Like if I like doing any squat, my hips and knees and just like everything and taking one, I wasn't taking care of myself, but two, like the training I was doing was just killing. I was pulling or doing a variation of a deadlift. I was pulling at least once a week and then I was doing an RDL another day and then maybe even pulling again. It's like three, three big hip hinge movements. And like, it was just taxing on my body. I had no idea how to program for powerlifting, but like, I was like, and bodybuilding had like really like taken my interest at that point. I started noticing a trend on a lot of gym bros that I've been seeing online. They can get to around 450, 500, and then a lot of times end up getting injured around that time, that same time frame. Cause I think it's a realistic amount of weight that somebody can get to, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of weight to where you're easily to hurt yourself too. If you're not doing things correctly, the right programming, uh, how much, how frequently are you deadlifting? Like all those kind of things. Mm. I think like anytime someone gets to 500, there's always like a little setback that I've been seeing a lot online. So it's strange. It's yeah. And it's partially, it's just like a lot of people just like they go in the gym, they realize they're strong. You know, they, they, they don't do, they do their research, but at the same time, then are they actually programming that research correctly? And then there's all the other variables of like your mobility and your diet and you know like the exercises you're then picking around if you're someone that's powerlifting i i don't know like we can get into powerlifting programming versus bodybuilding programming um but i do know as someone who did train someone like a powerlifter like i was ignoring my mobility i was just like trying to absolutely crush myself in the gym with every movement i was doing which is like what you would do as a bodybuilder but like as a powerlifter you're just like no i have my main move and then like I got my accessories and like my accessories, like there's RPEs that you're going to. And like, there's, there's just so many little minute details that like I was ignoring and it was destroying my body. And that's why I have a coach too. Cause it's like, it's so easy to be like, Oh, I'm going to program RPE seven or whatever, or work up to a whatever single and not hold that integrity and overshoot and overtrain mm-hmm. or i guess even the other end like a lot of people undertrain or undershoot their rpes too so like i i just love having a coach not even for the program or sending videos but like just to keep me on my trajectory throughout the year just so i can keep my eyes on the prize and not be like oh crap i can hit 600 right now let's do it next week Oh, if I do it next week, I'm fried for two weeks. And now I got to take a step back in my training. Exactly. So exactly. Having a coach exactly. has been so huge. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's, that's, I talked about this on my last podcast, like having a second set of eyes on you, whether it is, whether it is your, your programming, your diet, your training, whatever it is, like, it's such an important thing in fitness to hire, even like the, the coach, the professionals have a coach. Everyone has a coach that is monitoring what they are doing because you are your own worst enemy at points. You know, so I said this last podcast, you're you're your own biggest asset too, but like you, everyone needs a second set of eyes. 
especially like with in this in this sense, you need that second set of eyes. And someone would make love sure to have a whole team. Hard. Yeah, like if I could, or a nutritionist as well, a team of coaches, massage therapists. Like if I was LeBron James, I would have six coaches. And that's and that's what a lot of professional athletes have is like they have a body guru, they have a nutritionist, they have a chef, they have a chef, they have a guy that you know actually runs them, just runs drills with them, and then they have like a shooting coach and like X, Y, and Z. And it's like when you have that type of money, you can afford it. But like you would like a like I see what you're saying. They're like a gym almost, like with that environment. And then I have have a lot of young athletes that I'll train and I'm like, Oh, you're so lucky to have a coach right now at this age that your parents will afford this. When I was 15, 16, 18, like we're just figuring it out, getting hurt in the process. Yeah. Like I was, I was sniffing a weight room for the first time at like 15. Like there was no way I was taking powerlifting or bodybuilding serious. And like credit to those kids who like do figure out like their niche, like it's a super niche, niche passion. And like, you, you see it's becoming more and more popular. But like at the same time, I think TikTok, and we'll get into that because because you're TikTok following, like TikTok's made that thing like bodybuilding, like almost because I got into bodybuilding in late 2018. No, not late 2018, late 2017, um, because of Luca, and like so I've like I remember like watching Generation Iron like two or something or Generation Iron one, and like. I always knew what bodybuilding was because like I watched pumping iron as a kid, but like never knew like the, you know, the resurrection of bodybuilding that was coming in the late into the 2020 decade is seeing like how big it's getting to where like, there's like 15, 16, 17 year olds just all over the internet. There's just like, they want to be Chris bumps or they want to be, it's, it's, it's a lot of Chris bumps that, that kids want to be, but like they want to, they have like, a figure that they're looking to and like it's super it's it's really funny because uh talking to the point of chris bum said i started following him when he had like one hundred fifty thousand followers on instagram and like i checked the other day and he's up to like almost like 13 million i'm just like ah like i subscribed to your youtube and it had like under a hundred thousand followers and i was like i bought like shirts from you in in like 2018 i was like i was like a true like og day one fan i'm just like now you're like a mainstream like not a celebrity, but like you have a really successful business and like your brand is crazy, crazy successful. And like, there's people like that, like I'm sure because you've been in powerlifting or like been interested in that, like seeing like creators, like really grow over the past four or five years and like really just blow up. And you're just like, dang, I remember following that guy when he had less than 200,000 followers. Yeah. It's kind of cool to see, especially for powerlifting because it's smaller than bodybuilding. I think that uh, it's starting to grow in TikTok and social media and the sport is becoming bigger. And then when there's more people in it, there's more money in it and there's more payouts, then these top athletes can get paid more. And then, you know, no one's like getting rich off of like Russ Wool's probably the richest powerlifter because of his endorsements and stuff. But like one guy makes 50 K at a high, like a high price meet. And then the rest of them aren't making that. It's like, you're not going to get rich off of this. We do this. Because we love the sport and whatnot. Yeah, and that's the same thing with bodybuilding. Is like you look at any just like minus the Olympia, minus the Arnold, minus a couple like bigger pro shows. Like the payout for the winner is two grand sometimes. Like that's barely covering your rent sometimes, depending on where you live or like your mortgage. Like it doesn't pay the bills. It's not a sexy sport. Like 
it's a sport for individuals who are a little bit fucked up in the head and like lifting as much weight as they can and like looking really freaky in normal clothes. And they're just like, yep, I like this. And it's a lot of people who used to play sports growing up. Like I know you played rugby in college. Like I played baseball in college. Like this was an environment that allowed me to continue my, uh, to continue to compete with people and like me against someone else. And then at the end of the day though, like I realized, especially when I switched over bodybuilding, like it's the most me versus me thing I have ever done. Like not even close. Like it is ultimately every day it's me versus me because no one else is lifting the weight for me. No one else is, you know, around here doing things. Like I have a coach. That's about it. So there's two people. I got, I got two people you know, on my yeah, team. Yeah, totally. I feel like that with uh, even, I'll even kind of influence my clients, no matter what their goals are. I'm like, you're going to get a sprinkle of some powerlifting. We're going to do some squat bench and deadlift of some variation. And I hope that when I show them this, they spark interest in seeing, oh, like this is kind of like a sport. And it's not just goals of, I want to lose weight and whatever. It's like, let's make this kind of fun. Like, oh, my numbers are going up. Oh, I'm getting better at a skill and I can see it and I can feel yeah. it and the numbers are there. It's, you can actually touch it. Yep, exactly, exactly. So first question is, you know, get, uh, what was your exact start into weight training and into the gym before everything? Because I mentioned you played rugby in college, but I know there was, there was before that. Yeah, pretty much started like, 12 years old skinny tiny kid uh with a little bench press in the basement just always trying to make gains i got videos of me doing power cleans in my basement as like a 13 year old i don't know how i even learned how to do those things but i got videos of me doing messing around with this stuff and yeah i remember i played football freshman year and we did the 135 test i didn't get one rep i don't think i think like most of us got zero reps and Finally, once I graduated high school, like I started seeing some of the games and whatnot. And uh, I always just seemed like I was pretty good at it uh, during like, I eventually joined soccer in high school and I was helping them with strength and conditioning with rugby, helping with strength and conditioning. And I was like, okay, like I'm good. I can help people at this. And uh, I wanted to get into like firefighting, uh, police officer. But for some reason, I just started going towards fitness and being like, oh, like, this could be my career. Like, I'm pretty good at this. Like, let's, let's really lean into this. Even though I was like, there's not good money in this at all, but I was wrong. There definitely can be like, mm -hmm. if you, if you get the clientele, like, but most people just don't. So I got yeah, lucky. And, yeah. And uh, like, like it's, we both, and you're still training people. I'm not even training people. I actually moved into what, like, I didn't go to school for, like, I have to go back to school to get into being an actual nutritionist, but um, you were in the corporate world for how many years were you 24? I did front desk for about a year and some change. And then I was a personal trainer there for about two and a half to three years. Yeah. Like, so you put in the long, long hours and like really did the, the dirty work. I remember like you were really yeah. doing the dirty work and like you, like, that's how you build up your client. That's how you built up such like a loyal clientele though. Because I remember when you went on your own, like, a bunch of your people followed you, right? Like I know yeah, if I took like 12 to 13 people and put it and took them to a private gym. Yeah. And like, like I know 24, 24, I hope you don't hear this, but like, that's what good trainers do is like, like the people who do start at the corporate or at the corporate gym, like they end up carrying over their clientele. And like, I, yeah, 
like that it's so tough working the corporate. I don't know how 24 does it. Like I was at LA fitness and like it was shit. And I just, I just hated it because like, I'm someone who wants to control every variable you're doing because like truly for you to see the progress that both of us want you to make, I got to have more control and variables. And like, I have such the, the dense knowledge of nutrition. I was like, yeah, I wish I could do this for you, but legally I can't. And I don't really feel like getting in trouble, getting fired or like the company getting sued or something because I'm writing you a nutrition program. And like people would ask me and like, all I can do is give you an RDA recommendation of 2000 calories. And I'll tell you my one hint is like eat, eat a little, make sure majority of your calories are coming from your protein. And like, that's about all I can do. I can give you a food list of what I recommend, but like, I can't do anything else. Can't do anything else. You got to go Google. You got to go do your own thing. And like, if you ask me, I guess I can answer. That's, that's how I remember LA fitness told me to get around it that way. They were just like, cause you legally can't give anyone a diet advice. And I was like, it still sounds, you know, messed up. I was like, I, I didn't get it. I was like, yes, I have the knowledge, but like you've people out here, like at corporate gyms, just in general, who like do start fiddling people's nutrition. I'm just like, you, you don't know what you're doing. Like you're playing a really dangerous game when you do that. Yeah, that for sure. And I also had a problem at corporate gyms with getting on the equipment I wanted to get on with a client. It's like, we got three squat racks. I got a client who needs to squat today and I can't guarantee I'm going to get on the equipment. So then I was just like, my programming is going to change, is, is, is changing for the worse because I can't guarantee equipment. Then I was like, I got to get out of here. Like it's time to like give my clients better treatment than they can get at a corporate gym. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And like, that's a, that's a cool part. Like knowing you for as long as I have, like seeing like all your like client success. And like, I see clients still on your Instagram today who I'm just like, Oh, I remember seeing that person at 24, like, like three, four years ago. I'm just like, and that that also shows like, like your quality as a trainer is like, you're getting that long-term client success, which is like, that's the coolest thing to see. Yep. I never had to run ads. I've never really had to look for clients. They've always uh, come to me, been referred, uh, referred from family all from the 24 hour clientele, it's been the same. Like it's literally the same people. Yeah. And they're, they're just getting you new clients and like, you have people that do come and go, but like, you're just like, most of the people are the same because like, I've shown that my work is good enough and that my results speak for themselves. Like, you're just like, I don't need to market myself. Which yeah. Is, COVID like, gave me a bad hit too. Like I lost a few from that, that would kind of, kind of fell by the wayside when we weren't allowed to work out. We had to go virtual for a few months. That sucked. Yeah. Like that. And that, that, that is something that, you know, did numbers for everyone, <laughs> but then post COVID, I'm sure it was like, it was a nice little, little boom in business. I'm sure. Absolutely. Just had to stick through the tough times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next thing I do want to touch on. Um, first I, your TikTok start, because how many TikTok followers do you have? Right now it's about uh 60.2 K. How did it start? Did who told you to get on TikTok and why did they say get on TikTok? This was back when I was listening to Gary V a lot. I never listened to him anymore because he's so repetitive. It's, but yeah. uh I, I like I some like, of the stuff he says. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, get on TikTok, be early and do these things, post content. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like I was doing it a lot with Instagram, seeing a little bit of success, but it was like I felt like I was so late to get on. Or, or to try to do it on Instagram. So then when I got on TikTok, I was like, hmm, I love this concept. There's a for you page. 
it's not about your following. It's about the content you put out. And I'm like, I put out damn good content in my opinion. So I'm going to be successful on here. And I wasn't, it just flopped, 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 tried to do trends, flopped, tried to post content. I wanted to do flopped. And then it started hitting after like a year and a half, maybe two. And then it was like, this makes no sense. Like, why am I getting a million or this? Like, that's know, like way more than expected. I have you and then another one of my buddies who's also a powerlifter who like has, I think he has almost the same or maybe a little bit more um, followers than you do. But like, it was the the same stuff. It was like, I'm just going to keep posting what I post because eventually it will hit. And I feel like that's the nice part about TikTok is like, if you keep posting your stuff, eventually you will have that video that blows up. And then eventually you'll have another one that blows up and like, you'll gain, you'll gain a following. And like, it's, it's slow and it's a daily thing. And like people that expect it, like as someone who's been like on and off with the TikTok game, I'm just like, I just know that I got to post my stuff, like my multiple videos a day. I got to stay true to it. Like I got to be doing my research on like trending sounds, trending hashtags, like stuff like that. And like actually like, you know, take it as like a second job almost. And like with Instagram too, because now Instagram has reels and like, it's a little bit easier to gain your, to grow your Instagram following, but like, it's still really, really hard. And like, you need like, how many of your followers do you think have came from TikTok onto Instagram? I would say like several hundred. Yeah. So like, but, and like, you're just like, I have 60,000 followers on TikTok and I'm getting several, like only a couple hundred have came over to Instagram. And I don't know if that shows that Instagram is just like this dying thing. Yeah. Or, or like, or what is the It thing? seems like it to me. And like my reels do eh, average. I post something on YouTube shorts or TikTok. There's potential for it to get half a mil. I've never had that happen on YouTube, uh, TikTok, uh, Instagram ever. The most I've gotten is like a 40,000K view video on Instagram. Yeah. On YouTube alone, I've hit half a mil like five to eight times. TikTok, I've had 20 plus videos hit a million or more. Yeah. Like if you go to your pin, and I've been to your pin thing and it's just like, there's like first like three, it's like mul- multiple million view videos. And it's just like, damn, like that's like, it just shows that like, if you stay true to your content, like it, it'll hit, it'll hit just like be patient because like there was a while during the summer that my, my, my reels were getting a shit ton of views. And like, like people I knew that like were using reels all the time, they'd be like, Oh dang, like this one got 15,000 views, but like then you'll have one get like 100 like 200 views. And it's like I like not even my followers see my see my views like or see my yeah. reels. It's like like that's the weirdest part. It's like I have 660 followers on Instagram. That's nothing, but like half of those people see my reels most of the time versus I have 256 followers on TikTok, which is again nothing, but like I get over that every single time like rarely do video and that's like and i don't even know what i'm doing most of the time like haven't been doing my research just like being like okay right now like i just gotta post is my thing and just like some of the videos like still get like significantly more views than i have following yeah Inst- uh, tiktok gives you a shot to like actually see uh get some views if it's good it'll likely get pushed but i'm sure it's still is restrictive to where it's like, all right, we can only let so many people go viral. And now more people on TikTok, it's a bit more competitive. That's why I think go to YouTube shorts, blow it up. Yeah. Okay. It is I giving will. me way better success. I think on there followers are coming from it as well. Whereas Instagram, you can get a 20 K view, get zero followers out of it. 
Oh yeah. Like that's like all the videos I've had that have had like crazy views. It's like the most followers I've got is like three and like then, and like it ends up just like going back down because like half of them are just like bots. And it's just like, yeah. I, it's just like, it's, it's so confusing. A I'm, lot of bots. I'm going to try the, the, the YouTube shorts with my, yeah, with YouTube my allows you to monetize at one K subs. And I've been on YouTube for a while, but I started posting the last two years and I'm up almost at one K from reposting. I do zero YouTube content. I only repost shorts or uh, TikToks and I'm almost out of K subs, which isn't a lot, but for YouTube, 1K subs is like 10K TikTok. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's good. That's great information to know is start using shorts. And like, that's the nice part about TikTok and like, you can save your reels on Instagram. So like, it's not very hard. And like every YouTube short I do watch is like, there's usually a little TikTok logo or like an Instagram reel video. It's like, I'm just going to start saving my shit. And like, I just bought, I just bought a mic to actually like carry around in the gym with me. And eventually like when I find the uh, cord to hook it up to my camera, like actually bring my camera just like everywhere I go because like I've noticed like as the more and more I use it, the easier it gets for me to edit content, like the faster I can get it out. It's just like teaching myself the best way to use it and like actually doing doing the research. And if you just edit everything on TikTok and put it on Insta and YouTube, you'll have the best editing tools. Whereas Instagram's editing tools, trash. YouTube's editing tools for shorts, non-existent. You can only it's, add 15 seconds of audio. It's so hard on um, uh, Instagram reels to, you know, like sync up. Like if you want to like uh, play a, play an audio and like use the words from the audio, it's so hard to sync it up versus TikTok. It's the easiest thing in the world. Like I had a minute long video. It probably took me 10 minutes to edit. And I talked for the whole 40 or I talked for like 40 of the seconds. I'm just like, this is so much easier. Like why? And then I was like, I'm just going to use, I'm just going to post on TikTok first, save it to my phone. And then I'll just post on IG reels later. Definitely dive into way. those editing tools. There are so many on TikTok. Now you can even put up, put up a video and have the song come in 20 seconds later. Like, your video doesn't have to be the whole song. Like you can have music come in midway through. Like it's getting so much detailed now and YouTube, and and they're not even there. And the nice part is like a lot of people I know, like if they do do it for reels, like you got to go use like iMovie and stuff versus like, I think the, the where TikTok would really just like take over is like, if, if you could put like picture, like little pictures in your, in your uh, TikTok, actually, like like you can use like iMovie or like an actual like editing software. If, like you're someone that does do that, but like I'm trying to think. I'm sure people, you know, have figured out how to just use like iMovie really easily. Like it's not it's not very hard. I've used iMovie before and done it. Yeah, now there's this thing called like CapCut, where I think that's what's oh, called. Oh yeah, TikTok's affiliating with them, and now it's swarming TikTok with all these CapCut edits. Yeah, I'm sure your feed is seeing a ton of them. Yes. So I feel like that's their big like editing tool that they're associated with now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's really cool. Like actually talking to someone that's like knows how to grow their TikTok and like knows how to grow their social media to an extent. And you're just like, yeah, like, and you did it on your own versus like someone picking you up and like bringing you onto like a team or something or like getting like a sponsorship. You're just like, no, no, no. Like this was all me. You're just like, here's how I did it. So I feel like anyone that listens to this, like this is really good information to take and you should definitely run with it. Yeah, it's like 
I wish I knew all these things like when I first started, or even just like you said, like just be consistent, like just keep posting because anybody can get a 100K following on TikTok if you just use your personality that is unique. Like everyone's so unique. Just double down on it. Like you said, you got your mic for the gym. You can just record your workout, take some bits and pieces, talk over it. You're talking in person as well. Boom, like there's personality. Put it in a box and then there it is. Okay, last last topic for the day. Um, the difference, uh, talking powerlifting and bodybuilding again. What does what's your programming actually look like in terms of like what's your split look like and like what's just like take me through one training day? I love it. Really good question. Okay, so I'll try to make this a little quick here. So basically, my workout split is based on the big three, of course. So it's not like leg day, back day. It's more like day one. Like right now, I'm on a four day split, which I love. I was doing five days before my coach that I'm with now, and he, we consolidated a bit. So it's like Monday, we got uh, some some squats, close grip bench accessories. Wednesday, we got mostly bench accessories. Friday, we got deadlifts and squat accessories. Saturday, again, we go bench, more accessories. So three day, two to three days of benching, two squats, only one deadlift per week. And that's really all you as someone who does have a background in deadlifting extensively. One day, I and even I just got back, in, back into doing deads. Now I'm over over conventional but um i pull once a week and it's on back and hamstrings and like i just use it as a thickness it's a thickness movement like i'm just trying to rep out as much weight as i can for sets of like six to twelve like that so i'm sure yours is a lot different in terms of the numbers speaking of the numbers so like what does like your like take me through that monday like like your exercises your your big two and then your accessories what does that look like so let's go Friday because it's a little bit more exciting. Okay. Friday will go uh, the last five weeks. I've only worked up to two working sets on deadlifts. Uh, pausing on the floor, of course. Each rep is a brand new. Each rep is a brand new set, basically. And uh, we were doing pauses on the floor and pauses below the knee. So you pick it up, stop dead on the shin, and then back up. So we were working up to uh, two sets of three my last week we were doing uh 485 pauses below the knee for set of three mm -hmm. then we go to low bar squats even though most people will go squat deadlift because that's the real sequence but my coach yeah. wanted to make my deadlift day actually get deadlifts done first then we go back squats low bar which he has me doing pauses on at the bottom for uh three sets of five and so that's going to be a little bit lighter, a little lower RPE. So for that, it's nothing in the 400s for squats, unless it's going to be my primary day. Yeah. Then I get to do a little bodybuilding kind of fun after that. Uh, some hack squats. He's got me going really heavy on 45 degree extensions. So I'm yeah. loading uh, 90 pounds in my hands of plates doing 45 extensions, yeah. which is kind of fun. Yeah. And um, I think, oh, and then some heavy Romanian deadlifts for sets of six. And that's yeah. my like fun uh, Friday. That's a, fu that's a fun Friday where you're, you're mixing, you're mixing the two, but like, it's, it's a lot different. So like, I'm going to take you through all the, cause body, like I bodybuilding, I think it's, it's really simple. So like, I'll take, 
take you through a back and hamstrings. So like the work I did today, um, it's back and hamstrings. I do, I do two calf exercises starts to start. One has a rest pause. I'm doing a rest pause times three and I'm shooting for like 15 reps. Then I move into just a straight three by 20 calf raise. Then I usually go into a lat pull down that has two working sets. Um, everything I work in the rep ranges, uh, I don't really work in rep ranges. I work in numbers to hit and then I progress in weight. So like usually that's either a 10, a 12 or a 15 or, or 20 in the case of calves, but I have small calves. And so that'll do a lap pull down and that's two working sets, trying to hit 15 before I move the next weight. Then I move into a couple row machines. I got a working set or one has a working set and a back off set. And one has two top sets. And then I'll go into like a pullover and that's where I'm just getting blood as much blood as I can into the muscle Two working sets there. Then I move into hamstrings, two hamstring curls, uh, variations, both have a top set and a back offset and then deadlifts. And that has one top set and that's it. And that's a whole work. That's a whole workout. And then legs, everything is just usually a, a top and a back offset or something has a rest pause. And like, again, it's those same numbers. It's 10, 15, or 12. And then when I hit that, I'm moving up and wait. And like, I, I like to keep it simple like that. I'm someone that believes in doing the same exercises, like the same, mainly the same exercises over and over again. And you are mastering those exercises because to me, that's the easiest way to track your progressive overload yes. is to just do the same thing over and over again. I think in any programming period, whether it's powerlifting, uh, strongman, bodybuilding, even athletes, there has to be progressive overload as a part of the program. That's otherwise it's not you about not having see. fun. No, it's supposed to be. It's you have to be a sick fuck to love working out. Like you have to be to like really love working out. Like want to like because there there's working out to be genuinely healthy, which is a great thing. There's working out, you know, because you like working out, and then you get into the people that you know compete for fun. You know, power lift, bodybuild for fun, like. You do. I do not love doing legs. I get scared when I go into a heavy set of legs and that's how it should be as someone who like really takes his lifting seriously. And like, you know, my life revolves around it. And like, it's a big portion of my life. Like, so like, yeah, that like, it's, I look forward to the gym at the same time though. Like before I did my set of deadlifts, I was like, this is going to feel fucking heavy. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to fucking do this. Like, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. A million varieties every different week. How do you ever know what's getting you success? You don't. You don't like, and that's how it was for me at the beginning. Like, I just was doing different exercises all the time, and I'm just like, dang, I wish I knew what I knew now. I mean, for some people, yeah, it may work. I'm not gonna lie to anyone though. Give it two years, and it's gonna run its course. It's gonna run its course, unless like all because most of the time, then if you're someone that like doesn't have an understanding and this is this is gonna sound like i'm shitting on people but i'm trying not to um you know if you're someone that's just swishing up every time you're probably just gonna run your course with everything in a year or two and you're probably someone that doesn't have an extensive background of dieting really most of the time and in my opinion you're just you're you're honestly you're limiting your growth quite a bit it's with no sense of programming I'm like it's okay it to for power, for bodybuilding cuz like some people might just go oh I'm bodybuilding but I'm going to do different things like I just need to do this target muscles like I'm really glad you said that part 
a lot of bodybuilding and like it so there are people that do do different workouts all the time but then those are the people that i'm talking about that have like all those other variables are so on point so like they can kind of get away with it and it's just kind of works for them and like they don't have a real set way of programming like i remember uh i listen to fuad abiyad's pod- podcast all the time and like listening to and these are just me head bodybuilders open bodybuilders biggest fucking guys in the world talking about how one guy is very traditional he does the same movements week in and week out week out you know maybe plays with the variables a little bit and switches movements kind of like same thing i do then you get people who a lot of bodybuilders will be like i have my main two or three or four movements and then my accessories can change here and there like what i'm doing for curls can change but like they're still trying to use heavier weights and they're still trying to progress is the main point. And then you get people that are just free for all. But most of the time, like you ask any bodybuilder, they will tell you, you need more weight, you need more reps, or one of the two. Like that's that's progressive, or you need more intensity. Like right. those three factors are the only three things that if if you're doing the same weight week in and week out with that same intensity rate, you're not gonna get very much out of that. You're, and you're not, not getting you're stronger. Get nothing. No, you're not getting stronger. You're not putting on muscle. You're not doing anything. So like that's, that's, that's where powerlifting and bodybuilding do find that like mix is like the goal is progressive overload because the goal is to get bigger and stronger. Absolutely. In terms of dieting, what does your diet look like? Yep. So it's easier for us. Some will say it's easier for us. I think so, especially since I tend to hover 180, 185, and then I compete at 165. Like I'm 20 pounds above my weight class sometimes. And that's not good for a newbie or anything, but if you have good nutrition skills, good dieting skills, and know how to do a water cut, I really don't need to be much less than 10 pounds above my weight class, even about like a week out. So yeah, for the the dieting part, um, Mostly uh, high protein, high carb, lowish fat for the most part, like probably kind of similar to what I would say you probably do for bodybuilding, but way less strict. And I don't even, I didn't even count macros in my last meet of which I actually started above 190 down to 163 for a competition. Yeah. Like that's, that's insane to think about because like as someone in the past three years who has done a show and then taking time off and not done the as strict of a diet, my body like notices immediately. And then the minute I get on a strict diet and I'm doing the same things where like, maybe I give myself a refeed or a high carb day once a week or once every 10 days or whatever. And like, that was just like self dieting over the past seven ish weeks. Like I noticed myself drop 15 pounds, 20 pounds. I didn't have a scale. I could just tell by the pictures. Like I was taking pictures weekly. I'm just like, yeah, like, I know what I'm doing though, but like, that's my extensive background. But like then start of the new year, I went back on that same, I ate two chicken, I ate two ground chicken meals a day with 150 grams of rice. I ate two ground beef meals a day right now with 150 grams of rice. I eat two oats and one has whey isolate and almond butter. The other one is eggs and egg whites. Like the most bodybuilder diet you will find I have, I am someone who that works for. I love that shit. I love the day in and day out. 
it is the off season. So like I can play with it a little bit, but like, I try not to, like, I would say six of the seven days I'm straight on the meal plan. And then I wouldn't even say the one day I'm really off because like three or four of my meals are still super clean. And like, then like, I might have like some protein pancakes instead and then like go like out with some buddies and get dinner. Like, so how low do you keep your crazy. fat? Right now, my fat's really, really low. Um, towards the end of my off season, that is the thing that will get bumped up the quickest because like, it's very uncomfortable eating 350 grams of cooked jasmine rice. And I hate potatoes because yeah. potatoes irritate my stomach to an extent. Like my first prep, like uh, my stomach was so irritated the whole time because like I was doing like a mix of rice and potatoes or like one week I would do like for a while I'd be on rice. And then like last couple of weeks, like we switched potatoes and then second prep just did rice the whole time. And it was great. And like no digestion issues, no nothing. So uh, towards the like, and I also don't want to eat 450 grams of potatoes, cooked potatoes. Like that's a lot of potato. Like the rice is pretty easy for me to get down. And honestly, the second time I did a bulk or an off season, I had no problems eating my meals most of the time. Like, and I'm sure right now I will not have a problem because I'm hungry as shit right now. Like I'm not I'm eating like 2,800 calories and I'm probably losing, losing weight because I move around so much. And like I burn a shit ton of calories. Like I love walking. I take anywhere from if I lift, uh, I take anywhere from 12 to 17 to 18,000 steps. That will change. I'm changing jobs, but like I'll still probably be around 10K steps no matter what. I also have a dog. Nice. So like got to take the dog for a walk. And that's a health thing too. Like that's a health thing of like actual heart health. And like I still recovery. do. I, I, yeah, recovery. I keep cardio. Like every coach I've ever had for bodybuilding has kept cardio in the off season because like heart health and you're doing it, you're doing, you're doing gear and you're, you're messing with it with organs. So like trying to be as healthy as possible. That's a good point. You know, it's like, if you're already going to be doing things to the body, like how can we manage elsewhere with nutrition, with getting a little bit of low intensity cardio powerlifters could benefit from this too. Just like, Oh, the walking, it's not going to kill your powerlifting games, especially if it's under 30 minutes. No. And like, honestly, I haven't done like, I know people who do compete, who do like actual like hit, like they'll change the levels in the stair masters. I did that for my last show, but that was just to get my heart rate up. And then I bring it, I bring it down that way. Like I could walk at like, level four on the, the stairmaster because i'm just like oh I'm, I'm a lazy fuck I'll, I'll bump this up for four minutes and and now i'm just like you know what? i'm a strictly a treadmill guy i walk on inclined treadmill does the job and like that's just me i'm a person who is very much like i love doing the same shit day in and day out and like that's why i love bodybuilding so much because it's the same shit day in and day out yeah and, like the powerlifting, same, powerlifting, powerlifting the same too yeah same, like, same deal same, you gotta like it. You just gotta if or whatever it takes. You gotta know that's what's coming. It's like it's not this magical fun thing. Like you gotta be obsessed with grinding. Like at the end of the day, yeah. And that's that's a big thing with like everyone I talk to who's even just an amateur, either it's a powerlifter or a bodybuilder. Like they and it's having success at least. They like doing the same stuff day in and day out. And if you don't like doing the same stuff day in and day out, this probably isn't for you. And just, you know, just go to the gym and be healthy then at that point. Or like do whatever you want with your life at the end of the day. Like there are some people who like they they love the idea of having a routine, 
but at the end of the day, they don't actually have a routine. I'm someone who thrives off having a routine. If, if my routine is off, I'm off. Like, that's just how it is. Totally. Yeah. Like, that's a big, way. that's a big thing. in like learning that about myself is just like, if my routine is off or something changes, then I'm going to be off. And I don't know when I'm going to realize I'm going to be off. Especially when we measure so many things in our life of like, here's our data of sets and volume and here's the macros. And when you take those away, it's like, wait, whoa, where's my routine? Like, I like that routine. Yeah. So like taking a step away from bodybuilding was like, it was actually was really, really hard on me. And like, it was something that like, I realized that like, I should like, I gotta do this. Like, fuck, I really gotta do this. And I don't like, it's not, it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So, but we will, we will do, this was an awesome conversation. Like if you ever want to come on again, like absolutely would love to have you on again. Like, especially like the knowledge that you dropped on social media. And then like at the end, just right there with, with the uh, powerlifting versus bodybuilding and at the beginning to talking to like anyone that's getting into training, like so much valuable knowledge that you gave, dude. Like, I'm so happy I could have you on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Next time we'll get into like, we'll just do like a deep dive on social media. We won't even talk about the lifting part. We'll get into some yeah, you know, dude, fitness stuff, but the social media. Yes. Yes. We could do a whole like 30, 40 minutes on that. Actually, we should do that. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for watching. Uh, I hope you have a great week. Ardell, thank you so much, my guy. Yes, sir. Thanks, everybody, for listening.